Good morning, everybody, and I'm happy to see you in the air on the Good Friday uh, worship. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning with gladness, for we, uh, you have made yourself known to those who has been chosen before the creation of the world in Christ Jesus. And we gladly serve you according to what is written in the scripture. Uh, we want to honor you all the days of our life and help us to understand what is written in Psalm 22 and so that we worship you with gladness and we worship you with gratitude. And hear my prayer and listen to my cry for mercy. And I pray all this in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So uh, I want to begin from the very end. Uh, we are very fortunate because we are Gentile Christian. And uh, most of us, we read the Bible, the New Testament first. And then before we read the Old Testament, and so that we know who Jesus Christ is. Unfortunately, uh, until now, a lot of Jewish people, they still don't know who King David is talking about in Psalm chapter 22. But now that we know uh, who he's talking about, I want to begin with the ending. Uh, there are two verses I want to begin. Begin in uh, Psalm 22, verse 30 and uh, 31. Psalm 20, 30. Posterity will serve him. Future generation will be told about the Lord. Two, two things that I want to make sure that I stress that. If you claim yourself to be the Jake, to be the descendant of Jacob, right beside posterity, you circle Psalm chapter 22, verse 23. All you descendant of Jacob. A lot of Jewish people, they claim themselves to be the descendant of Jacob, Isaac, and Abraham. And yet, they don't honor the Lord. How do we honor the Lord? Two things. Verse 30, we serve him. Another thing, we preach the word of God to the future generation so that future generation will be told about the Lord. Who is the Lord? Our generation need to tell the next generation who is the Lord. Once he know who is the Lord, then we realize we are his servant. So we need to serve him. We need to honor him. How do we serve him? And how do we honor him? In the verse 
31, the Bible says, those who, who know who Jesus is, they will proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn. For he has done that because he has done wonderful deed on our behalf. And we need to proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, for he has done that. He served us so well, rescued us from the deep darkness, from the depth of the grave, and gave us salvation. Now we know who Jesus Christ is. We need, we need to serve him according to the word that is recorded in First Peter chapter 4, verse 7 to 11. First Peter chapter 4, verse 7 to 11. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-control so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Over hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gifts that gives is the spiritual gifts that gives is a gift from God. Each one should use whatever gift he has received, circle the word, to serve others. To serve others, when we serve one another, we are serving God. So I want you to ponder uh, in uh, Psalm chapter 22, verse 30, posterity means the future generation, mean all you descendants of Jacob must serve the Lord. How do we serve the Lord? By serving one another. Right beside to serve other in First Peter chapter 4, verse 10, you write down Matthew chapter 25. You do it to the very least that belongs to Jesus Christ. You serving Jesus Christ. I read that again. Each one should use whatever gifts he has received to serve others. Faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Because God gives each and every one of us different gifts. Use the gift that you have received to serve Jesus. How do we serve Jesus? You serve one another. You serve Jesus. Verse 11. If anyone has the gifts of preaching, teaching, if anyone who speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. Not teaching about yourself, telling others who Jesus Christ is. If anyone serves, he should do it 
with the strength God provided. God provide him so that in all things, whether you are speaking or whether you are doing something, serving him, God may be praised. I want to circle the word. God may be praised. Who should praise him? Verse 23. You who fear the Lord should praise the Lord. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. Who praised God first? In verse 23, it's not you and me. No, it is Jesus Christ in verse 22. Jesus Christ will praise God's name to his brother. In the congregation, I will praise you. Who praised God first? It is Jesus Christ. It is Jesus Christ who praised God first because he is the first one who served him. And then we praise God through Jesus Christ. That's exactly what Peter is teaching. I read that again. First Peter chapter 4, verse 11. If anyone speak, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serve, he should do it with the strength God provides. So that in all things, whether you're speaking or whether you're serving, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So, as I said before, if we truly understand who Jesus Christ is, we understand those who serve him will be able to enter the kingdom of God. For Matthew clearly stated that not everyone who call me Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God. But those who do the will of the Father, what's the will of the Father? I want you to write that down. Psalm 22, verse 30 and 31. And then you write down First Peter, chapter 4, verse 7, all the way to 11. The Old Testament talk about posterity will serve him. All those who fear him should serve him and honor him, not honor ourselves. Honor God the Father. Future generation will be told about the Lord and they will proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn. For he has done all these wonderful deeds by bringing all of us that are chosen before the creation of the world into the kingdom of light, into Jesus Christ's kingdom. And then we can proclaim not only in those days in the millennium kingdom, proclaim his righteousness. We're going to proclaim starting now because we know who Jesus Christ is. We proclaim Jesus' righteousness and God's righteousness to a people yet unborn, for he has done that. For those people 
who don't get the gifts of teaching or preaching, they should serve God by serving one another, like hospitality without grumbling, and by doing so, that's how we honor God. So in other words, if we truly understand what Psalm 22 talk about, we need to do His will, to serve Him, and to honor Him, to make sure future generation knows who Jesus Christ is. Unfortunately, until now, 2,000 years after Jesus Christ has come into the world, and His name is still unknown in the heart of the Jewish people because they rely so much on the teaching of the rabbi. And the rabbi, unfortunately, are the member of the synagogue of Satan. They tell lie about Jesus. They slander about Jesus until now. So in order to get out this cursing of this woe, of this mishap, we need to serve we need to uh, study the scripture yourself. Don't just be the hearer of the word of God. You have to verify what you heard is written in the Bible. Now, I go back to the beginning. Psalm 22, verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far? from saving me, so far from the word of my groaning. And I studied the scripture in detail. This Psalm 22 clearly stated that it's a Psalm of David. It is David who write the Psalm when he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Either he talking about himself, he was mistreated by his own people. And that's why he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from the word of my groaning. I study First Samuel. I study First Samuel starting chapter 16 all the way to 31, I don't hear anything like this saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then I study Second Samuel from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 24. Nothing was recorded like that. I study about 1 King chapter 1 and 2 regarding King David. It's not there. I study the entire book of the first chronicle, chapter 1 to 29. It's not there. I study the Psalm chapter 1 all the way to 150. Nowhere what is written like this except Psalm 22. Through the writing of Matthew, through the writing of uh, uh, the preaching of uh, Peter, we realize, and through the writing of Apostle Paul, we realize that sometimes the author 
when he write, he talk about himself. But most of the time, he talk about our Lord Jesus Christ. So whoever preach, whoever teach, whoever speak, speak the very word of God. Make witness for our Lord Jesus Christ. So I want you to write that down. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? According to the teaching of the Gospel of John, according to the Gospel of John, chapter 5, verse 30, you diligently study the Scripture because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scripture that testify about me, about Jesus Christ. So I concluded that, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And this cry is by our Lord Jesus Christ when he was hung on the cross. This is the fourth saying when he was hung on the cross. And he mentioned about God is so far from him in verse 1. He mentioned it twice in verse 11. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there's no one to help me. And he mentioned the third time in verse 19. But you, O Lord, be not far off. Oh, my strength, come quickly to help me. Right beside my strength, Jesus Christ said that Lord the Father is Jesus Christ's strength. And Jesus Christ cried out to God the Father, come quickly to help me. Why he need God's strength? You write that down in verse 15. Of Psalm chapter 22, because Jesus' strength is dried up like a posture, and my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth, and his heart has melted away in verse 14. And those people who realize that finally God hear his prayer, and then he say, to all those people, he said to all those people, let your heart live and live forever. Okay, now I go back. Psalm chapter 22, verse 2. Oh my God, I cry out by day, but you did not answer by night. And am not silent. We know that when Jesus Christ cried out right beside in verse 2, you turn to Matthew chapter 26. Apostle Matthew talk about Jesus' prayer. Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. Going a little farther, Jesus fell with his face to the ground and prayed. 
my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And I found out this prayer is very, very powerful. He don't pray one time. Verse 39 is the first time. And then in 44, and then in 42, he prayed the second time. My father, if it is possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. And then in 44, so he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. If it is possible, take away the cup of affliction and suffering from me. But if it is not possible, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want you to write that down. This is Jesus' prayer. And this is how Jesus Christ did it. And you write that down. It is so wonderful. Why would I say that? Because if you check, if you check the credibility of Jesus Christ, you have to check him. First of all, from his teaching and then check his doing, his deed. If you find out that his deed doesn't match his teaching, he's a false prophet. He's not the Messiah. Turn to Matthew chapter 16. Turn to Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. Hear his teaching. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed on the third day and be raised to life. Circle the word. He must be killed. He must be killed. Jesus Christ know the will of God in his own life. He know that he must be killed. And yet he did pray. If it is possible, if it is possible, could you take it away? Take this cup of suffering, take my killing away from me. Yet not as I will, but as your will. In verse 22, go back to Matthew chapter 16. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke Jesus. Never, Lord, he said. This will never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. I want to circle the four words, the things of God, 
in Jesus Christ's mind, Jesus has the things of God. He know that according to God's will, he must be killed. Yet when he suffered so much, he cried in Psalm 22, verse 2, Oh my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer according to my will, according to my mind, but you, un you answer my prayer according to your will. By night, and I am not silent. He prayed three times. Jesus Christ, in his mind, he has the things of God. He know that he must be killed. And he also know that God's will to him. On the third day, God will raise him to life. And then he teach, verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. Can you imagine? Jesus Christ knows the will of God. And he said that. Not everyone who call me Lord, Lord, will be able to enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. If he know that, his Father will is for him to be killed, to be hung on the cross. But on the third day, God will raise him from the dead. He know it very well. But in his weakness, he cried out three times to God. Could you take it away? But not my will, but your will be done. Can you imagine his teaching in Matthew chapter 16, not only to Peter, to all those disciples, and yet at the very end, he didn't do according to what he has taught? That would be very, very bad. I want you to turn to Matthew. Chapter 26. Matthew. Let me see. Uh, Matthew chapter 27. Um, okay, I'm sorry. Turn to Matthew chapter 20. Was twenty twenty. Then the mother of Zebedee, Zebedee's son, came to Jesus, the mother of James, the mother of John, Apostle James, Apostle John, the mother of James and John came to Jesus with her two sons, kneeling down and asked a favor of Jesus Christ. What it is you want, 
he asked. She said, Grant the one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. This is a godly mother praying to Jesus. Ask Jesus not only to make sure my two sons that who serve you, who honor you, be able to enter the kingdom of God, number one. He didn't enter the kingdom of God with the empty handed. He entered the kingdom of God with honor and glory and wealth. Because one can sit on the right, the other sit on the left. Verse 22. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? I want to circle the word the cup. The cup of salvation, the cup of affliction. And Jesus Christ cried out three times in the Garden of Gethsemane. If it is possible, take away this cup. And Jesus asked them, can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? And we can, they answer. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink my cup. To sit at my, at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. Brother and sister, can you imagine Jesus talk about the cup of affliction and he has to go through the cross. He must be killed by all these people who doesn't know him. And on the third day, God can raise him from the dead. He know it in his mind because he has the very things of God in his mind. And yet he prayed, if it is possible, take it away. If it's not possible, may your will be done. And I'm glad he prayed like that so that when we are weak, we can pray like that too. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul prayed about the thorns in his own flesh to be taken away. He prayed three times, but Jesus said to him, my grace is sufficient for you because God's grace is sufficient for Jesus. He passed along the same thing. Don't pray for that. Don't pray for it taken away and may God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I found out Jesus' wonderful deed in Matthew at the very end, in Gethsemane, when he prayed three times, God's will be done, and he can enter the kingdom of God. Not only be able to enter the kingdom of God, he can sit enthroned with our Heavenly Father. For my Heavenly Father said to him, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand, for I will make your enemy to be your footstool. And he said the same thing to Apostle John, Apostle, Apostle James. This cup of affliction, you must drink. And they drink it, both of them. Brother and sister, that is Jesus Christ's wonderful deed. When he teach us to carry the cross, he himself to carry the cross. 
when he teaches us to praise our Heavenly Father, he himself praised our Heavenly Father first. Chapter 22, verse 22. I will declare your name to my brothers. In the congregation, I, Jesus Christ, the Lord of all lords, the kings of all kings, I will praise the Heavenly Father. So we see how he's prosperous and successful. He's patient with God's will. He did God's will and he praised God because God gonna reward him, glorify him and honor him. Brother and sister, we need to do the same thing. When we serve God, we don't serve God with grumbling. When we preach, people don't understand you don't preach with grumbling. You be patient, let God deal with them, and you do your own things according to God's will. May God's will be done both in your life and in my life. Whatever we preach, we don't preach about ourselves. We preach about what is the wonderful thing that Jesus Christ has done? What did he teach? Did he do it himself? I found it out. He did exactly the same. That is exactly why Paul mentioned it in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 23. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in this blessing. And then verse 27. No, I beat my body, said, G said Apostle Paul, and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the price. That price is being able to sit on the right side or on the left side. Brother and sister, Jesus Christ said, I come to give you life and to give you abundant life. You don't just be able to enter the kingdom of God. God wants us to enter the kingdom of God to be able to sit either on the left side or on the right side. Later on in life, after Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead, you know what he said to the seven churches? The seven churches of Neodicea, and he said that. Chapter 3, Revelation, verse 21. To him who overcome, I want to circle the word who overcome, is to drink the cup of affliction, to drink the cup of suffering, is to carry your own cross, to do the will of the Father, I will give you the right to sit with me on my throne just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne according to the promise that is recorded in Psalm 110 verse 1. He who has ear and ear, let him hear what the Spirit say to the churches. Brother and sister, his deed is wonderful, and his deed 
is righteous deed. Because he didn't preach about the cross. He didn't preach about affliction and suffering. And he did it. He's the first one to do it and show it to us. When I read the scripture, I found out when it didn't come our way, we complain, we grumble, just like Prophet Jeremiah, just like Job, although he's called righteous in God's sight. He asked for death. He wants to die. Elijah, same thing. Moses, same thing. But Jesus never complained. When God did not answer according to his will, according to Jesus' will, but God answered him according to God's the Father's will, he still praised God. Take a look in verse 3. Although seems like God is far away from him, not answering his prayer day and night, yet, I want you to circle the word yet, and I want to circle the word in verse 6, but I want to circle the word in verse 9, yet. Yet, you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are still the Holy One. You are still the righteous one. What you did to me is right, is holy. Yet, you are enthroned as holy. Because the only way the Holy God can save other people is through the Holy One of Israel, Jesus Christ. And how can Jesus Christ prove himself to be holy? Because he sanctified himself according to the truth. Whatever he teach the truth, he did it. That's how he sanctified. I want you to write that down. Apostle John, Gospel of John, chapter 17, verse 17. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is the truth. Anyone who do according to the, to the word of God, they are sanctified. As you send me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, for the sake of my disciple, I sanctify myself. You write that down. There's a Gethsemane prayer. Your will be done, not my will. That's how Jesus Christ sanctified himself. Do God's will. Do everything according to the truth, according to his word, for the disciples' sake. And then that they too may be truly sanctified. And that, that's why Paul, when he carried the cross and do God's will, then he is qualified to teach his disciple. That is recorded in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. He, he said to Timothy, watch your life. Make sure whatever you teach, you do it yourself. Watch your life and watch your doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearer. Both yourself and your hearer, Jesus Christ sanctified himself. For our own sake, he did it, and then he wants us to follow him and do it. Preach about the cross. Preach about the cup of affliction and suffering. 
and then preach about the kingship. You not only enter the kingdom of God as a citizen, you enter the kingdom of God as king. You're going to reign with Jesus Christ in the millennial kingdom. You're going to reign with Jesus Christ forever and ever. That is the kind of teaching that Jesus laid down. That is the kind of teaching Paul talked about. That's the same kind of teaching King David talked about in Psalm 132. Now, keep going. Even though God did not answer uh, uh, Jesus Christ on the cross according to Jesus' will, but Jesus still praised him. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One, and you are the praise of Israel. And he prays. You write beside the praise of Israel. You write down. Verse 22, Jesus praised God first. And verse 23 and 24, and then the rest of the follower praised God. He laid down the example for us to follow. And then in verse 4, he said that, even though you don't answer me, he looked back, all those people in you, our father put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were saved. In you they trust and were not disappointed. Brother and sister, make sure this is the key, key point number one. If you pray to God, God seems like to be far away from what is in your mind. Look like that, he's away from you. But remember to look back the forefather, how Abraham gone through this kind of suffering, how Isaac, how Jacob, how King David, they all put their trust in God and God delivered them all. They cry out to God, they were all saved, never disappointed. And remember that because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God the Father is the same too. Remain the same yesterday, today, and forever. How they deliver the forefather, he will deliver Jesus Christ. He know that. That's the key of Jesus' ascent. Because he has God's word within his heart. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. And God was never away from him. Number two reason. He realized that humility comes before honor. He looked at himself as a worm, not a man. Scorned by man, despised by the people. He prepared himself ahead of time. In order for you to serve in the future, to reign with Jesus Christ, you have to say to yourself, you are dead dog. You are just a worm. You are not a man. You are despised by all other people that you serve. You are scorned by them. It's still okay. And you still persevere. And you will be prosperous and successful. Then you are the overcomer. Because you crucify your flesh. You crucify in your ear. You crucify in your heart. You prepare ahead of time to be an overcomer. All who see me mock me. They hurled insult, shaking their head. He trusted in the Lord, they said. The mocker said in front of Jesus, let the Lord rescue him. Let the Lord, the Father, deliver Jesus. 
since he delight in him. These are the saying of the mocker, and Jesus know that ahead of time. He won't be surprised. And then on the cross, we know that. That is exactly what happened. Turn to Matthew. Unfortunately, my time is up. I will stop here. Our Heavenly Father, help us to be successful. Help us to follow the very footstep of our Lord Jesus Christ to be overcomer. Look at ourselves. We have to be humble ourselves to serve you. Ignore what other people say. Put our trust in what God say. And then make our trust in God from the very, very beginning until the end. And then we will be prosperous and successful. And so that we can proclaim his noble name. Because anyone who call in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ will answer our prayer according to God's will. And anyone who proclaim and beat up his body and carry the cross and proclaim and serve God, they not only be able to enter his kingdom, enter his kingdom with a lot of blessing. Because we follow the very footstep of what Jesus Christ has done. He is righteous. No other one is righteous. He is the only righteous one. He died on the cross on our behalf. And I pray all this in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.